This summer, your local movie theater transforms into a tent revival for sharing Jesus. Join Believers Nationwide for the Million Souls Campaign, inviting unsaved loved ones to experience The Firing Squad, a new evangelistic movie starring Kevin Sorbo and Cuba Gooding Jr. Witness the true story that made worldwide headlines, American prisoners discovering faith in Christ while awaiting execution for their crimes in a third world country, transforming their lives and the entire prison in the process. After the movie and before the credits roll, Kevin Sorbo will come on the screen to lead the entire theater in a prayer to commit one's life to Jesus Christ. Visit FiringSquadFilm.com and learn how to get free tickets and more for your unsaved loved ones and become part of this unique event. Bring friends, family, and your faith. Learn more at FiringSquadFilm.com. That's FiringSquadFilm.com. Okay, Stu. Stu, are you listening? No. Nothing ever changes. Of course he's... You want to talk about maybe the podcast today? My gosh, I have to do everything. Sure, my name's on the show. Sure, I make all the big cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Sure. Yeah, all I, that. I, but I let me do your job for you here and tell you about the podcast today. <laughs> yes. Uh, so today was an interesting podcast. To give you a little behind-the-scenes part of this, mm-hmm. normally we have many guests scheduled throughout the day. Yeah. Today, we decided we were going to do nothing but phone calls from listeners. Yes. And that was our big... You know, we wanted to hear from you. Right. And, and what then, happened to that idea? Right as we started the show, all the phones went out. So That's we literally weird. couldn't take a call. Did you notice the guy... <laughs> did, seriously, did you notice the truck... Out front, mm-hmm. off to the side of the building, that was a fiber optic truck, CIA, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and they had the manhole uh, open. <laughs> Somebody was down there where I know the phone trunk is. Uh-oh. CIA. So, Did you see that truck? I didn't S- see it. No, I didn't really? notice it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. If it wasn't there when you came in... It was definitely the CIA because I got here like at 530 mm-hmm. and that truck was there. Who does work in the middle of the night, Stu? Mm-hmm. CIA. There you go. So the CIA ruined the show, but it was actually a good show anyway, uh, mainly because we got to yell about Beto O'Rourke and his idiocy. Yeah. Uh, quite a bit. I feel passionately about that. Uh, mm. You know, uh, and maybe some things were said, maybe some songs were sung, uh, but uh, you'll have to find out yourself. That and so much more on today's glorious podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Oh my gosh. Do we have the audio of the political stunt uh, that uh, Beto O'Rourke did as uh, where he danced on the dead bodies of children? Listen. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down. Get out of Shooting is right now, and you are doing nothing. No, please, get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk to. So, this is totally predictable. When you, sir, you're out of line. Now, this is the mayor who has a walker. Sir, you're out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a. Would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. I love that guy. I freaking love him. 
I love the fact that he had a walker. Yeah. And he was he comes up and he's like, get out of here, you sick son of a. I think mm-hmm. that's exactly the because you know what? Because Beto is human trash. He is scum. No, he is the scum no, of the wait earth. Wait a minute. The lowest he form said, of, of humanity our society can produce. He said after he was there, he was just listening and he just couldn't take it anymore. Oh, really? He was. That's that's what happened. Huh? Yeah, that's interesting because everybody seems to notice that this was obviously staged from the beginning. And I go back to what happened before this. We don't know exactly. Maybe we'll learn in the coming days. But let me translate the a, a series of events that led up to this moment. Beto O'Rourke... Was there in listening to the whole thing? No, he and was then, not. Let's go back before that. Let's go back to the meeting that Beto O'Rourke had with his staff. And at some point, and I'll translate it because I don't have the exact language, yeah. but I'll tell you exactly what was said in the meeting. Mm-hmm. It was Beto O'Rourke saying, hey... How exactly can we take advantage of all of these dead children and and turn it around so it's good for us? How do we raise money off the bodies of these dead children tomorrow? Hold on just a second. You don't have a transcript. You don't know that Beto O'Rourke said that. And I have to tell you, Stu, I don't think he's smart enough to come up. That had to be someone else in the room. And he went, yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Because, but I don't know who said it. All I know is that this was obviously planned, clearly yes. planned. And CBS we can go through. CBS knows. Yeah, even CBS News pointed it out. Blatantly a staged event. And this guy because he wants more power and more money, decided that this event was about him. He wanted to make the death of 19 children and two teachers about Beto O'Rourke because he is human scum. He is the worst form of life imaginable on this earth. These things might work in New York or Delaware or Washington, D.C. It's Mm -hmm. not going to work here. You know, the only one that had the other opinion of, hey, maybe gun control is Matthew McConaughey. And he seemed like a decent, I disagree with him, but he was a decent human being about it. I mean, he obviously doesn't know all that much about the details of of these issues, but like he, I think, comes from a good place. Here's a guy, Matthew McConaughey's statement. You know, it was like, hey, like, gosh, how can we stop this? We need to do something. All Correct. right. Like, that's that's not an educated viewpoint on this. OK, everybody yeah. posted on social media. If you know anything about these topics, the the argument of, well, why don't we do something is just vapid. Right. It's just a, a giant, uh, shallow, uh, empty vessel of a view. It's it's a it's a it's a stand in for intellect. But Beto O'Rourke is a totally different issue. He is the worst. All he did was try to get attention. And you know what? His next job, which, by the way, will not be governor of the state of Texas, his next job at at MSNBC or whatever, this crap will help him. And that's all this is about for him. He is pathetic. Again, MSNBC, I I mean, he's going to be behind a microphone, but I think it's going to be... Hi, welcome to Kyle's. Can I take your order, please? <laughs> I mean, if he's lucky. Yeah, yeah. And, and Hey, I'm Bella O'Rourke. And, uh, a, would you like fries with that? And second, you know, I could have been governor or president. <laughs> well, and the thing here, too, is, look, this is a very desperate man in a very def- desperate position doing very desperate things. 
And two, disgusting. He, if you want to, uh, you know, get past how revolting a human being you must be to think that this is appropriate, if you want to get past that for a second, and you get to the point of just political strategy, you can make the argument, right? He is so his 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 hill he's climbing is so far up, uh, is so steep that maybe ridiculous stunts and pathetic things like this is the right thing to do. Maybe you goad. Uh, Greg Abbott into making a mistake and saying something really bad when he walks out. Uh, you know, unfortunately for him, you left Greg Abbott and Dan Patrick with the microphones. So you're getting taken out of the room where no one can hear you blab about your nonsense and they have the microphones and they handled it really, really well. Really well. And honestly, I actually, if Greg Abbott did what that mayor did, it would have been bad. Yeah. But the fact that the mayor did it, you know, that guy was not standing up for, for this nonsense. He didn't want this to be about politics. This is his freaking city. And he sat there with just righteous indignation. And I, I man, I felt I felt for him. And I thought I, I thought Abbott and Patrick handled it really well. And, and the mayor did too. Someone needed to just call, at one point, I don't know, we bleeped it out, but uh, he calls, just calls him an a-hole from, from the staff. And that's exactly what needed to happen. That's exactly who he is. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, you know, why didn't the police, why didn't the police see it? I mean, BLM came out yesterday against the racist police uh, and how they, how did they know? Why didn't they stop this kid? You know, and you're right. You had all kinds of warnings that this would be a bad kid, right? All kinds of warnings. Uh, Reuters is reporting uh, some really disturbing writing. Uh, one day, I'm going to quote, One day, I was driving home from work. I noticed two children crossing the street. They were happy, happy to be free from their troubles. This is happy. uh, This happiness was mine by right. I had earned it in my dream. As I neared the young ones, I put all my weight on my right foot, keeping the accelerating pedal down to the floor until I hear the crashing of two children on the hood. Then the sharp cry of pain from one of the two. I was so fascinated for a moment that when after I had stopped my vehicle, I just sat in a day, sweet visions filling my head. Right? Dangerous. Right? Nothing good's going to come of this. According to Reuters, those are the teenage writings of Beto O'Rourke. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. In writings that Reuters oh say, says still exist online, O'Rourke purportedly fantasized about toppling the government, but doubted that the masses would support such a radical move at this time. Then he also wrote about murdering children by running over them with his car. This is, this is the ultimate red flag for the red flag law. Exactly right. Exactly right. I'm glad that he's against guns. The state of Texas should be very aware and not allow him to buy any guns oh my God. because of this. This guy, this guy, and his righteous indignation. Give it a rest, bud. Give it a rest. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Jason Buttrell is uh, with us. He is uh, the... Uh, main writer, researcher for the Glenn Beck television program. 
uh, and uh, he is also our national security expert. He was uh, with Naval Intelligence for a long time and uh, can tell us about a new audio uh, tape that has come out of China, smuggled out of China, that apparently shows that they are preparing for a- an invasion of Taiwan. I've got several questions on this. First, Jason, why don't you bring everybody up to speed on what it is, what they're saying? Well, uh, so first a quick little correction. You said naval intelligence. I'm about to invade your office because it was Marine Corps intelligence. <laughs> Same um, thing. You're so on boats. Bigger. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, my Ooh, apologies. My <laughs> apologies to every Marine. <laughs> I just said it to set him off. Go ahead. So yeah, this is a uh, this isn't a uh, like a council meeting of their war war mobilization. So I want to make that clarification because this does appear to be legitimate. Um, they are talking about a massive war mobilization effort. On basically, this is theory crafting. What do we need to do? So where do we need to get conscripts? How do we retrofit ships to get the amount which they're guessing in this uh, meeting? would take about 953 ships, which is oddly very specific. Um, and they also talk about 140,000 soldiers. They're talking about private companies that need to be utilized. Yeah, I say private in air quotes, um, public-private companies. Yeah, no, it's a be, partnership. Uh, it's a public-private partnership. It's what will be soon, but go ahead. Um, 140,000 soldiers. Uh, yeah, they just they just go on in very, deta- very, you know, very good detail. It goes on for about 56 minutes. I've looked at some of the alt. Well, I've looked at all the names. Uh, I've matched up all the faces. These are real people. So this does appear to be legitimate. I do want to say though that they're just one part of this massive, you know, you know, structure within China that's looking at invading Taiwan. And make no mistake, that is invading Taiwan is a national security necessity for China. They will try it eventually. When is up to, you know, you know, interpretation. I, I think they're still very far off, at, at least 10 years off. Right. Now, That's wait my... a minute. Hang on just a second. Uh, and I think anybody in the intelligence community, because I've talked to several of them, would agree with you that we're at least five years off between five and 10. Um, is this different than what we do at the Pentagon? You know, I mean, we should have a plan on, you know, invading Canada in case they went crazy. Um, that's what they should do is have a plan for anything. Is that what this is? Yes, I, I think that's what this is, but it has a little bit more teeth because so when I was in the intelligence community, we did a lot of war gaming, uh, you know, for multiple different countries. So we had the plan in place if it would, you know, we need it. I think the difference here is that this is their national. So if there's some, let's say that we, it was our national security imperative that we invade Cuba and we, we, and everyone knew we were going to do it at some point. Well, then this would be a lot more, I guess, worrisome if there okay. was something that leaked that showed that we were this far ahead in the planning. Okay. So th- th- that's a difference here. Like they will do this soon. They will, you know, they Soon-ish. will do this in the future. Yeah. Uh, so soon for the Chinese, which could be a, right, right. Know, 500 years away. Um, let me ask you the next obvious question. In a state that has total surveillance, total surveillance, and records of everybody's cell phone, what it's doing, where it's been, who smuggled this out? 
how did it get out and yeah. is it intentionally let out yeah uh so there's so i was kind of getting to this a, uh, a little bit earlier but I, I there's there's multiple different factions that are looking at this there's the war mobilization faction like this they're all go- like their job is to make sure that if we do this we're prepared to do it now there's the other factions within the communist party that are like are you looking at the geopolitical perspective right now? Are you looking what's happening at Russia right now in Ukraine? We do not want to, I mean, we're just, we're trying to get our economy going the way it's been going for the past 10, 15, 20 years. That's not going to happen. That's a full stop. Everything they want to get done with Belt and Road. Can you imagine what happens to Belt and Road if what happens to Russia happens to them? It completely goes away. So there's those factions within the CCP that are like, wait a minute, let's take a step back. Yes, we agree we have to do this in the future. But this is not something that we can be thinking about in the near term. Do you really so think do it goes? There are comp- do you really think that all goes away if they take Taiwan and somebody doesn't blow up the high to- uh, the high tech uh, plants? They control like ninety nine percent of every chip, and most importantly, the hardest chips to make. That's all in Taiwan. You really think that? You know, countries fold all the time because they need something. Yeah, the, the, and, the, and the issue with Taiwan, looking at the ec- economic uh, perspective, is it's almost mutually assured destruction. If you go after Taiwan, you're also, you know, critically damaging the Chinese economy because they do a massive amount of business with Taiwan. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost like an Achilles heel that kind of shoves this invasion way down the line because China's just not ready for it right now. They don't have a purely, you know, domestic economy. It's it's purely based off of exports, purely based off of exports. The United States and massive amounts from Taiwan. So they're just they're they're just not ready. Um, I do believe the United States. I, I don't think that they can take Taiwan, and uh, not as long as the United States Navy is what it is in uh, the Pacific. I, I do not believe they can do it. And look at these numbers that they're talking about: one hundred forty thousand soldiers. Over 20 airfields and docks, uh, 953 ships. That is a look at the mobilization that happened in, in Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, we were able to see that, you know, months ahead of schedule. Right. This amount of mobilization. I mean, what, they're going to start six months later. They'll be ready. So what's going to happen once this ha- start, starts going down? The United States Navy is going to push massive amounts of hardware. You know, multiple fleets into that area if we have the fuel (laughs) if we have the fuel yeah um so um did you read my uh davos wef uh executive summary today that i got yes okay can we go through this a bit because al gore uh spoke at the uh davos meeting yesterday he was part of a panel turning up the heat on greenwashing And during the panel, Al Gore and other panelists lamented the fact that far too many companies pledge to lower their carbon emissions, but only a small percentage actually follow through with their commitment. It's what they call greenwashing. So his solution to dealing with the inaccurate reporting of CO2 emissions, a network of satellites that can track CO2 emissions down to an incredibly detailed level. Um, He says, according to an S&P report on more than 5,000 companies, only 37% have any emissions target at all for scope number one and scope number two uh, emissions. Only 24% have net zero targets. And of the companies that have set emission targets, less than half are aligned with a science-based approach to even two degrees, much less 1.5 degrees. 
Uh, 58% of the companies don't even report their Scope 3 emissions, let alone have a plan to reduce them. And in a recent uh, poll, 1,500 business executives from 16 countries, only 36% said that their companies have tools to measure the progress on sustainability. Um, so he, gets, he says greenwashing is a major obstacle to solve the climate crisis made up of falsehoods, clever PR, and it's got to stop. Al Gore then shares the exciting news. We're about to enter the age of radical transparency. Now, just hear this, and Jason, chime in at any time. Entering an age of radical transparency, not for you to be able to see into the government, not for you to see into the elites, but for the elites to see into everything in your life. He said, I've been uh, among those who have formed a new coalition called Climate Trace, which stands for Tracking Real-Time Atmospheric Carbon Emissions. He says it's a coalition of artificial intelligence, technology companies, NGOs, and universities using data from 300 existing satellites from multiple countries, ground, sea, and air-based sensors, and internet data streams, to machine learning to create algorithms for every single sector and subsector of the economy. This October, we'll publish the world's first inventory of exactly where the greenhouse gas emissions are coming from and in what amounts. He said it's going to make a dramatic difference. So investors, supply chain managers, NGOs prioritizing their campaigning activities, financial institutions, if they want to know where the emissions are coming from, uh, upstream and downstream, it's all going to be laid out for the world to see. That's a little frightening. Radical transparency. Why do you always have to add the word radical to everything? Come on, man. Um, yeah, this is not surprising to me in the slightest. In fact, next week we're going to be talking about on the, on the Glenn Beck Wednesday special <clears throat> about a lot of the executive orders, a lot of the transformation that has already gone down within uh, the bureaucracy which is they call, uh, quote, an all-of-government approach, which I think a lot of us didn't, didn't even really pay too much attention to, but the more that we've been looking into it, it is shocking the amount of the alphabet bureaucratic agencies that are already moving in that direction. Yeah. So if they're talking about trans, you know, private companies using satellites to do this, do we not think that you know, the Department of Homeland Security is not already doing this as well? Um, we know that. All I'm, I mean, it's in their own words, it's an all-of-government approach. That's mm-hmm. their main uh, priority right now. A couple of weeks ago, the SEC um, just uh, uh, issued out sweeping new proposals on mandating private, co- or, I'm sorry, public companies to disclose their climate footprint and their carbon emissions. And it's hilarious that they even have to mandate it because there's groups, and we have a letter directly from one of the biggest banks in the country that says that they're already doing this. They're like, oh, yeah, we applaud you now making it uh, you know, official. We've all been doing this now for several years. So they're already doing it. A lot of these co- uh, companies are already, they don't even have to, you know, greenwashing, whatever. A lot of these companies are already on board. Did you see the second half of those notes, Glenn, the one about uh, the First Movers Coalition? Yeah, let me take a break and come back on this. This is something that John Kerry talked about. The First Movers Coalition, that is the uh, public-private partnership that the White House announced a few months ago. Oh, it's it's very successful, if you mean success is getting all of the main companies in the world to go along with it 
and uh, put together a little cabal where they get their way. Oh, it's highly successful. I'll give you the details in a second. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. the Glenn Beck program. I'm glad you're uh, glad you're here. Jill Biden uh, had a uh, photo op opportunity yesterday, you know, and it was it went over, I think, as well as uh, Beto O'Rourke's photo op. I mean, I think this I did. The, they just both felt so genuine, you know, you know, mm. uh, and I like I like to see any press conference where Beto O'Rourke is chased off by a uh, mayor of a little town using a walker. I love that. I, I loved every second <laughs> love every of second of it. I love him. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, yesterday the photo op was at the airport where she went to meet the baby food. And that was critical. It was critical that the first lady was there to meet the baby food because she wanted to she wanted to shake their hands, welcome them to America. She wanted to make sure that every can we ordered was there on the plane. And she said something, and I want you to listen to this, Stu, because I think this mm-hmm. is pretty this is pretty deep. In fact, I think it might need some uh, might need some music here. Uh, she was standing there on the tarmac. And she had this kind of distant, far-off look in her eyes. And you could tell something deep was coming. Mm. And she said, I've always said that food is love. She has. She's always said that. We've known that. We've covered it for years. Years. It's like Lunchbox Joe or whatever he says. Right. We all know Dr. Jill Biden always says food is is love. But standing here on the tarmac, I realize food is life, too. Wow. 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 I mean, she earned every bit of that doctorate. Wow. Uh, That's deep. So food is love, but it's also life. But it's also life. Wow. That's incredibly powerful. Is that, are you sure that it's wasn't like, Kamala Harris it's saying like that? Saying Is it it's, possible that was a Veep thoughts? It's like, no. <laughs> it's like she said, you know, I've always known that food, you know, was stuff. But food, it's also molecules. Mm, no, that's too that's deep. Way that's, too deep. That's way too deep. No, that's way too deep. I apologize for that. Why do people, this is a phenomenon I need to understand. Why do people need to say things? Period. Just leave it there. That's it. Like, really it. Like, why in these moments do people feel the need? You're adding too much to say things. Yeah, just leave it at why do people feel the need to say things? Period. Period. Why? The life, life. You know what? The problem is, America, is social media. Because now everybody thinks. That they can say things, which they always have, but their things that they have to say are just as deep, profound, and as important 
as every other thing that other people are saying. It's just vapid nonsense, right? Like you look, I, I can't even go on social media right now. Like these, are, this is one of those times where I just need to not ever go because yeah, every yeah, post yeah, 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 is yeah. some idiot uh -huh. who has not spent mm -hmm. 10 seconds of their life thinking about any of these issues before. And they feel, you know, I don't normally talk about politics. But we must do something. Something must be done. Are we going to accept this uh, again? When will this happen again? Yeah, you know what? You're going to have to accept the evil of the human uh, condition. Because it's existed since like Cain and Abel. So you're going to have to go back and no. really do... No, Cain and Abel at least had some God in their life. You know what I mean? <laughs> one went bad because he kind of pissed off God and he didn't like God. Mm -hmm. The other one kind of had some religion in his life. And so, <laughs> so now you can't compare. Because it's really, it really is just nonsense. And like, I think at, in my most understanding times, Glenn, I have them occasionally. Mm -hmm. I was on vacation last week. I'm just a few days off of vacation. And I, part of me can still connect to that vacation mindset of maybe being a little more understanding and not so, I mean, Beto. Oh, totally. that's the way you come back? <laughs> yeah, usually. Yeah, I, I usually, usually like my life then and I hate my life here. Right. The, right. the minute I step back into this life, I'm <laughs> like, why do people talk? Right. Stop okay, talking. Stop talk. talking. So, my life was fine when I didn't hear anybody else talking. Yes. You know, stop talking. In my most charitable moments <laughs> i do think a lot of this stuff that you see on social media is people who see a real tragedy and something that we all really are feeling terrible about everybody and they have no concept on how to deal with it. It's too bad to figure out how to deal with it. They can't mentally handle it. So they go to the first thing that they've seen on other people's social media posts, which always is, hey, if we just took guns away with no understanding of the constitutional ramifications of that, of the people who are law-abiding citizens that would be affected uh, about how it wouldn't work and hasn't worked all over the world. Now, they don't know any of this stuff. So they just come out with these vapid, nonsensical uh, screenshots of their notes app, w which describe what they think is deep thought and substitutes for intellect when they have none. And, you know, it's an emotional way of dealing with tragedy and sometimes grieving ha has weird results. And in my most charitable moments, that's how I can understand it. But so, it's so frustrating when these people are trying to affect actual policy. I took nothing you said seriously um, the, the whole rant. I just stopped listening after you said, I still have charitable moments. <laughs> like, I can't relate to you, dude. Few um, and far between. So, so let me give you two people that responded yesterday. And tell me if you think they fit into the same boat. Mm -hmm. um, Wednesday, yesterday, Don McLean, the guy who did Bye Bye Miss American Pie, he was going to perform at the NRA. Okay. There's no way you're getting somebody to perform at the NRA that's not a gun supporter. You know what I mean? Right. Of it's course. not like, hey, I wonder if Don Henley would play. No, <laughs> no. no amount of cash. No, no he's yeah. not playing. And we know there are like four artists yes. you can book for the NRA right. convention. There's right. four of them. Four. Apparently Don McLean is one of them. Okay. So, so he came out yesterday and he said, in light of recent events in Texas... I've decided it would be disrespectful and hurtful for me to perform for the NRA at their convention in Houston this week. 
We're all shocked. Um, and I'm sure all the people who are planning to attend are shocked and sickened by these events as well. As for all, we're all Americans. I share the sorrow for this terrible, cruel loss with the rest of the nation. Do you have a problem with that? Because I don't. No, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I think it 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 sort of it sort of indicates that the NRA had something to do with this, and they don't. I see. I you could take it that way. You could way. take it that way. And I think he's just like I. You know what? I I just don't want to be plastered everywhere yeah. this week because I was going to get plastered everywhere anyway for the NR being at the NRA, mm-hmm. but it's going to be used against, and I don't want to be part of that. Not that the NRA is causing it or he is causing it, but it's going to be used to mm-hmm. divide. Yeah, I can you know see, I, mean? I can sort of, especially a person who's an artist. Uh, and it's in Texas. It's in Texas. Yeah. Right? Okay. Again, I, I, that does not mean that no. they should cancel their convention, which some people are requesting. But I mean, I, I can see if you're not, if you're, if you don't live and die on the Second Amendment, uh, you might want to bail from that performance. So um, the next one, this celebrity said, "This convention at the George R. Brown Convention Center in Houston, talking about the NRA convention, mm-hmm. is coming this weekend. People should show up and protest at this conference." Now, that's a brilliant idea, Mm, right? mm -hmm. And then they say, come armed. Hmm? Hmm? Okay, so people should show up and protest at this conference. That's like saying to all humans, people should breathe. People should eat. You know, it's not a new idea to the left to protest the NRA conference, okay? Yeah, not not right. exactly an innovative idea. Not an I- No, it's it's not even an idea mm-hmm. at this point. It's right. a way of life mm-hmm. for these people. Okay, show up and protest this conference, and it's happening this weekend. Come armed. Now, let's just think about that one. A, go for it. You're right. Uh, if, if your life is in danger, you should not only come armed, you have the right in Texas to shoot the person who is having a problem. But that's not what you're saying. Because the people who are coming to protest, if they really are against so many guns on the street, they wouldn't have any guns. And they certainly wouldn't want to carry in Texas because that's something that the Republicans are for and the NRA is for. You can carry, you can open carry in Texas. I think people should open carry myself, but you can open carry. So I have no problem with come armed, but who are you talking to? By the way, this was Bette Midler. God. Who, who is she talking to? The people who are coming to protest most likely don't have guns. Okay. I guess they could fly in from other states, but that would be bringing guns from across straight state lines. And that we know is dangerous. That's the real problem. So they can come. They can come armed as long as they're not shooting anybody. Are you saying that come armed as a threat? Is that what you're saying? Because that's the problem. That makes you an irresponsible gun owner. You can't use your gun as a threat. That's against the law. Bette Midler needs to get a role on The View. She would fit in perfectly oh my gosh. with that environment. She would. 
I mean, because that's just a again like these are just stupid points. Stupid. Like we talked, I think on the air, I can't remember if it was on or off, but we talked about Matthew McConaughey's statement yesterday, and he made a statement. And like McConaughey, like I don't know much about his politics. He seems to be like a slight a center left guy, but not yeah. not AOC. Like I don't know yeah, exactly, uh, but I think he could he could cruise over there quickly. He doesn't possibly, yeah. yeah. Okay. But he seems like a well-meaning guy. Yeah, I agree. Like, with I, that. I think he seems to have a good heart and seems to care about the state of Texas. He's a guy I would interview on the air and most likely disagree and push back. But I think we would both be agreeable. Yeah, it would probably yeah. be a good interview. Yeah, but his statement yesterday was just that sort of like lengthy, multi-paragraph collection of zilch like it's just nothing it's just a giant empty shell and you know it's like we can stop this we don't have to accept this what do you mean we can stop this you have an an 18 year old right in this particular case like you have a person who has no history of legal problems and everyone could say they had all these red flags but no mental health history that no anyone uh, at least nothing official. So you're going to what? Go in and take the right of, of gun ownership away from everyone who has uh, what? I mean, they, no authorities even had this guy on their radar, at least as far as we know at this well, point. No, I mean, first of all, you shouldn't be 18 and be able to buy a weapon of war. You should be able to sign up to go into the military and have the weapon of war and, <laughs> and be go trusted to, war. to yeah. go to war and shoot the right people, but not here at home. And one more thing. Hmm. You said just a, a large collection of zilch <laughs> was said. <laughs> yeah. Let me leave you again Mm -hmm. with something very important. Okay. I've always said that food is love. Mm. (laughs) But food is life, too. Wow. Makes me weep when I think of that. Mm -hmm.